woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. And headed out to my old deer stand back in the pines. Gonna get me a 10-point buck with 11-inch tines. I'm a backwoods boy. Grew up on a dirt road. And welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, hour number two. If you're just joining us on the broadcast, we're talking to Captain Jim Durham with Striper Fund Guide Service. He is a nationally renowned, actually, Striper Guide. He has a number of guides that work for and with him throughout the Mid-South region. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those other lakes and what they offer because he is a wealth of knowledge about a lot of those lakes, and some of them are quite different than what we got here locally. Uh, the numbers five seven one eighty four eighty four or one eight hundred four 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 eighty four eighty four. Before we get back to Captain Jim Carter, has been on hold through the break. Yes, Carter, you're up. Hello. Yes, sir. So uh, my uncle killed a turkey. In uh, Barkstown, Kentucky, and uh, I'd already killed mine, and I uh, uh, hung with them, so it's pretty cool. I'd say. What kind of hunt did it give you? Uh, turkey. No, I mean, how did it come in? What was the scenario? Um, so uh, they were coming in from the bottom, and uh, there was a hen that came in first, and then Tom came right behind them. Through a bunch of thick brush and everything, and then the, uh, he stepped out and dropped them. Good deal. Was that hunt similar to yours, Carter? I remember you called in. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. That's what I thought. I thought I recognized your voice. Well, yeah. you've had quite a season, and you've seen a lot. What have you learned? Oh, uh, uh, well, turkeys, they got a bunch of different calls and stuff like that, like the uh, the excited calls and stuff like that. Well, for me, the number one ingredient I've always seen is patience. Would you agree with that? (laughs) You'll hear hear a tom from, like, another, like, a far away, and then you just got to wait, 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 and keep waiting. Exactly. Well, I'm glad y'all had another good hunt, and uh, thank you for calling in, Carter. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Let's go to Steve. He's got a question about striper fishing. Yes, Steve. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good evening. Doing great. Hey, can you? Oh, good. Hey, um, I've uh, just got off the lake with my grandson uh, fishing stripers, and I had a couple of questions and a tip. All right. Go ahead. All right. Um, I bought your umbrella rigs before, um, uh, uh, Jim, and and use them quite a bit in the hair jigs. 
And um, a couple of, uh, well, big tip for people is how to retrieve those when they get stuck, because they always get stuck to you. You're uh, trolling with them pretty shallow. And I always carry a big uh, uh, three-pin hook and a big weight and just uh, throw that down with a parachute hook uh, to wherever it's snagged and just jerk it up and save yourself a $50 rig. Now, you don't get to sell one, but we at least get to save a $50 rig. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... that's um... But it works. Can it works. Uh, my grand... Go ahead. I'm saying, can you all hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I appreciate you uh, uh, saying that. And yes, it's one of the risks of trolling with umbrella rigs. Let me ask you, which one were you trolling with today? Uh, the uh, nine with white air jigs. Okay, so you're I think running one of my full-size. big one. Yeah, the, the full-size Dominator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, the key to I, that I is that... You just have to really watch your speed. Uh, were you trolling about 2.2 to 2.5? Uh, anywhere from 2.2 to 2.8. 2.8, okay. And how deep of water were you in, sir? Anywhere from 60 to 40. Okay, because and, if you're, uh, you're going to troll at 2.2, if you have your umbrella rig back and you got to use line counters, okay, if you're back yeah, 100 do. feet... Okay, it's going to run 28 feet deep. So if you're in 40 to 60 feet of water, there's really no way you should be losing or snagging that umbrella rig. Okay, well, what well you, to... you, you go ahead. You try to you try to be at 40 feet, but unless you know that water inside and out, you know the <laughs> the lake lake changes quite drastically. Well, that's what I was going to tell you. Exactly. For the guys that troll these rigs and, and for my clients, and, and, and if you're interested, of course, I teach the umbrella rig trolling. It's a class I teach. But they all will get the uh, Navionics Platinum chip, which I happen to sell these as well on my website. And you need to look ahead and plan what you're doing. It's almost like shooting pull and thinking a couple of shots ahead. You need to be looking at what's coming out at you because if you have a mud flat coming up and you're running down a rock wall and you're in 40 feet of water and you know your rig's okay back there at 28 feet, you have to start you know, moving ahead of time. So if you get within 50, 60 feet of that mud flat, you need to be moving to the left, for example, out around it. And you can see on the, the, uh, the uh, Navionics Platinum, on the GPS, it'll show the different contour lines, the color will change, and you need to plot a track to, to get out and make sure that that doesn't happen. So sometime if you'd like to call me, I'll be happy to answer your questions to tell you how to do that because I want you to enjoy my products, and I certainly don't want you to lose them. And you're right, you can retrieve them like that. I, I want to, if I can for a second, Jim, I add a story to that. Sure. Uh, we got an umbrella rig uh, caught up on the Clinch River the other day, and I actually took my anchor and I dropped my anchor down. I didn't want to lose the rig, and it was making me mad after five minutes trying to get it out. <laughs> I dropped my anchor down, and I pulled my anchor into the tree that was on the bottom uh, that the umbrella rig was stuck on, and I pulled it up the tree up with the anchor. I pulled the whole thing up. I'll be darned. Okay, and then it got it and let the log go back down. So, you know, don't be afraid to keep an anchor on the boat. You can drop an anchor down there and pull up the obstruction with the anchor and get your rig back as well. Yeah, I've, uh, 
I've actually one guided with you about three times, and I've got your video, and you've helped yeah, me you. out with understanding uh, and I some of the electronics. I didn't catch your name when you first came on. What's your uh, name? Steve. And some some of the electronics have done that, but you got to remember, I'm with a seven year seven year old grandson casting poles while I'm trolling, so it kind of gets hard to watch that. Yeah, I can see that that would be a challenge. <laughs> it's always hard to do. Well, we sure appreciate it you calling in. I'm glad. To, are you catching some fish? Yeah, we caught a big uh, 33 uh, inch, which was good for uh, on the lake side. Sure. And uh, it, it was a it was a fun fish. I had a hard time catching bait fish, and that was my question. Was this time of year? Usually in in uh, June and stuff, I can catch bait fish pretty well in the main lake and under my green light that I got from you. Right. And um, uh-huh. I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to find what what do you do this time? Do you got to go inside the creeks more to find? Yeah, you're going to catch your bait uh, the bait fish. fish. Where, where, what part of the lake are you fishing on? I, I do fall bush mostly, fall bush and white oak. Yeah, I'd run back up into White Oak Creek uh, to where it splits, or excuse me. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, uh, you know how it splits off, and I would go right oh, to fall that bush point or white oak. Fall, fall, fall. Go ahead. Fall bush where it splits. Fall yeah, bush. Fall bush splits, it splits off yep. the bee lake there. I'd go back in there. The yep. bait fish are heavy in there. Uh, you're going to catch your bait. Okay. We're catching most of our fish out on the main lake, but but you're going to the bait is going to congregate back in there, and most of the bait's going to be on the surface. Okay, so I don't know what kind of okay. net that you're throwing right now, but you might want to throw a net that's got a little more weight that gets down quick, and make sure that that yep. light goes off before the net hits. So as you're winding up yeah. to throw your net, have the light turned off right then while the net's in the air if you can. I got a foot switch on my boat that does that. Okay? Yeah, you and that thought, way, you thought because when the light goes off, they're stunned for a second or two, kind of with the deer in the headlights action. Okay? And when the net hits and it's dark, they're not going to see it. If the light's on, they're going to scatter and you're going to throw the net all night. Yeah, that's a that's a good tip. I've usually had that. But one of the other questions I had was, if you're trolling your umbrella rig and you're going at 2.8, I, I use a kicker motor. Mm-hmm. So, and if I want to go and bring my weight up, is it easiest if I want to go maybe change it from 2.2 to 2.8, and will it bring it up a little bit? Oh, yeah, it'll bring it up, exactly. Okay. okay. I, again, right. if, you, if you see, I call that a controlled burst. If you see that suddenly, oh my gosh, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention and suddenly I'm in 20 feet of water, okay? I mean, I troll with yep. my gasoline motor. I take it up to 4,000 RPM, six, seven miles an hour. I bring it up quick. You just, just goose the gas okay. and it'll jump right up. It'll come up to 10 feet, you know, in just a few seconds if you hit the gas hard. Okay, I mean you have to awesome. do that, or you're going to lose your equipment. All right, Steve, we got awesome. we got to go. Well, thank to, you, guys. Yes, sir. Steve, appreciate you. All righty, folks. The numbers five seven one eighty four eighty four one eight hundred four 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 eighty four eighty four. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker. He's got all kind of wildlife management properties, farms. Vacation cabins on rivers. Give him a call. He's great to work with, and he'd be glad to list your property as well. Check him out. M O P H A R T Realty dot com. 
And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And again, we're talking with Captain Jim Durham, Striper Fund Guide Service. Jim, uh, tell us about what is going on at the lake. What depth you all are finding your fish, exactly, you know, the kind of things that might help the folks that are going down there in the next week or two. Well, it, uh, as we're uh, progressed through April, we're still catching a few fish early on the surface. Uh, I uh, uh, fish a weightless uh, Carolina rig. Always want to put a big plastic bead uh, up above uh, the Carolina rig. That way your planer board doesn't slide down and knock your fish off the hook, okay? Right. And I put one of those out. It's a general rule of thumb when you're fishing planer boards, it's like a flying V. You know, kind of like you see birds up in the sky. You know, you got them to the right and to the left. And the one furthest from the boat is always going to be one closest to the surface because the fish naturally are afraid of the boat. They see the boat as a big predator. So the one closest to the boat or your downlines under your boat are obviously your deepest, if you're following what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. And uh, we're catching most of the fish. Later in the morning, the fish are going to be in uh, 20 to 40 feet of water. just depends on, you know, what they're doing that day. Basically, find the bait, find the fish. Uh, but I like to start out with a couple weightless and then with an eighth-ounce weight with about 10 feet of line, which trolling at .8 mile an hour, what I like to do, that, that bait's going to be about five to six feet deep, Okay. And then one with maybe a half-ounce weight down about 20 feet, which at that speed, that bait's going to be about 12 feet deep. And basically, you cruise around finding, but when you start getting bit at a certain depth, and turn around and change them all to that depth. Exactly. Duplicate. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's just, yeah, I hate to say do this, do that, because on a bluebird day, after the first few hours, we're not going to be up near the surface as much, but... Uh, you know, this depends. And then there are certain days, I mean, I say that, but in reality, there's days that they'll stay on the surface all day. And I'll have all, I'll have five planer boards aside, and, and all of them will be weightless. And it's cool to see those fish, because you'll see that shadow come up dancing in what we call the old Annie M. You know, where its little gills are going, there's no place like home trying to get away, <laughs> and wham, you know, they're getting slammed. That's especially cool on the Cumberland River if, uh, I could switch gears on that for just a minute. Sure. Uh, we're using trout uh, down in Tennessee on the Cumberland River that a lot of people would like to eat for dinner, okay? I mean, I'm talking two- and three-pounders out there. Now, we use smaller trout as well, and there's days they won't take a big trout. But, folks, if you want a big fish, you got to use a big bait a lot of times. And uh, I'll put a big trout out, and I, I basically only put, as you know, on the river three out at a time. Two weightless running down the bank and one on a about a quarter-ounce weight, maybe six feet deep back on a balloon. And if that big trout starts getting chased, you see a two- or three-pound trout dancing on the surface. I mean, he'll, he'll everything has to be uh, disengaged as far as your reel goes. It needs to have the clicker on and the bail open because the fish is not going to hit it like a six-inch shad and get the hook right away. I mean, he's got to run with it and eat it. He's beating it to death as he's running with it, okay? And uh, that trout will take off, and, I mean, he'll run 20 feet in, in eight seconds. You've seen it. You know what it looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting. You see that trout, and he's going around. They'll go around the player board five times in a second. I mean, it's like warp speed, flying around trying to get away. Then 
boom, that fish will hit so hard. I mean, if they're within 20 feet of the boat, the boat, the waves will rock the boat. I mean, these are explosions like a man fell out of a tree. And, uh, of course, then you got to let him run. The worst thing I have to do is everybody wants to grab the rod. I've got to physically restrain him. Don't touch it. Let him have it. Let him run with it. Because that's a great big piece of bait he's got to get in his mouth real good. And then I'll, you know, pick it up. And if they're experienced fishermen, they want to set their hook, by, by golly, pick it up, uh, put it in gear, reel it about three times, point right at him, and come back and set the hook like you're pulling a barn down. And, uh, and then, brother, it's on. Yeah, it's, it reminds me a lot of, of fishing with live suckers for muskies. Yeah. Sa- same kind of deal. You know, I've done a good bit of that. and it, it, You've got to let them take it. I mean, you just got to let them have it. Yeah. And, I mean, there's times, too, that uh, uh, I will say that the largest fish the company ever caught, which was last uh, May, uh, was a 56-pound striper. It was in Tennessee. If it had been caught in Kentucky, it would have been within two pounds of the Kentucky state record. And uh, that fish had a 39-inch girth uh, measured from his top fin around his belly and all the way back around. Can you imagine that, Jim? That's a monster. I, I mean, just a big, fat. The, fi- the fish was long. I mean, it was a long, fat fish. The fish was 51 inches. Um, but it took a six-inch trout. That's the smallest bait I had out that day. I'll be darned. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was slammer-jammer. That fish, we uh, we actually had to pull the trolling motor up and start the gasoline motor and chase it down because it went running upstream, and it was on the surface. It looked like a submarine running upstream. And uh, he was peeling line. He had 250 feet of line, and he wasn't going to stop. So we had to run up with the gasoline motor, and the guy's on the front of the boat reeling like a dickens trying to catch up. We finally got up to him, and uh, then it was just a normal fight for a while, and she, you know, she tired out. We finally got her to the boat. You can see a picture of her on my website, striperfun.com, but... It's not always like that. There's days, too, folks, that you don't get bit at all when you're using great big bait. So don't be surprised. I mean, it's fishing. It's not catching. Oh, yeah. You know, if you want to catch smaller fish, I can take you over to Cherokee Lake and myself and my two guides over there, and they're catching 35, 40 fish a day. Now, you know, every now and then a nice 15, 20-pound striper. Uh, but we're also, you know, catching nice six, eight, ten pound hybrids, and you use lighter equipment, so everything's relative here. And you can catch, you know, numbers, but if you want to try to do something that, you know, that you're, uh, uh, only a few people get to do, I have customers who come from 30 states a year. They come from Florida, Maine, California. I have people that fly in from uh, Canada. During the winter months, all the Canadian guides come down because they're frozen. They come down and fish with us. Well, that, so if you're in the radio listening area, you're three or four, five-hour drive away, you're here. Oh, yeah. And like he's saying, folks, a 40 to 50-pound fish, uh, the visual impact of that coming to the boat, it's got an eye about the size of a coffee can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're just really and, cool and most fish. the fish in the river, we're fishing, you know, six, eight, ten feet of water. Okay? Right. These are shallow water bites, and we're, we're generally weightless most of the time. Yep. So Jim was talking earlier about he Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, got to go to news break. We'll return after this. Break's presented by SMI Marine. Remember, you never get soaked at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The number's 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. 
Jim, we got a caller here. Nathan, you've been very patiently holding on. What have you got for us? Hey, Jim, I was calling to see what can I spray and kill goldenrod in my clover and not kill my clover? Ah, boy. Goldenrod. I'll have to go and research that, but I believe you can use uh, butyrac to kill that. But let me research that, and I'll I'll answer that. Or if you would, give... uh, Bill and my producer, your number, and I'll get back to you, but I believe that'll knock it out. Okay. All right? Okay. Thanks, Nathan. I appreciate it. Jim, we were talking uh, earlier about the size of those trout that you use and the size of those stripers. How would you assess the overall population of those fish in in the river? You know, you've been fishing those guided trips on that river for a good time now. What would you say, in your estimation, their overall population base is? And I, I think you guys very well may bust all kind of records before this is over with. Yeah, um, the state record in Kentucky is fifty-eight. The state record in uh, Tennessee is uh, almost sixty-six pounds. Um, so you know, uh, as far as the overall population. It's it's really kind of hard to say. I mean, there, there's a lot of fish in there. Striped bass do not naturally reproduce. For all the listeners that don't know, I mean, the female, the two males will beat on her sides and get her eggs out, and they'll swim through them and drop their sperm. This happens in the ocean on on uh, rocky shores, or it happens up in tributaries where the eggs can bounce down uh, through uh, rocks. And uh, it helps break the eggs open. That doesn't happen in the river systems or in the lake. They drop to the bottom, and the, you know the catfish and other bottom predators eat those. Uh, so they're stocked. And uh, but they put in, you know, over the years. My gosh, Jimmy, how many millions of fish do you think? Oh, it's, you know? yeah, it's. I mean, uncounted. Lake Cumberland gets like you know four or five hundred thousand a year. The Cumberland River system gets them. There's a lot of fish in there. Um, and I know this is going to sound funny, but, you know, with the kind of big bait that I use, we just catch big fish. Now, there's other guys who catch smaller ones, but from a personal experience, when I'm using a two-pound piece of bait, he's got to be a pretty big boy to eat that, okay? Right. And what we look for generally is four, five, six good runs a day, you know, where they take off, and generally, you know, you're not going to land every one of them. Because you go to set the hook, and if the hook happens to turn a certain way, sometimes the hook turns back into the bait, okay? Or the hook may just be right in the middle of the fish's mouth when you set the hook and you yank the bait out of him. So you don't get them all, okay? These big fish don't get to be big fish being fools here, okay? Right. And uh, But there's a, you know, there's a lot of fish, uh, and it just depends at certain different places, uh, in the river system, but it's di- it's different in the river, Jim, than it is in the lake. It's much harder to gauge, I think, for anybody. I know that they put a lot of fish in the river system. I tell you what, the next time I do a program with you, I'll have an answer to that question. Okay. And I'll be able to tell you, for example, in that, the stretch of river where I fish from the Kentucky border to Nashville, which is the Cordo Hall Pool and the Old Hickory Pool, okay, uh, all together, maybe 90 miles, I'll be able to tell you how many fish they stock in there annually. Okay, well, I was just curious from your perspective because 
the times when I fished with you, we encounter a lot of fish. I mean, it's you know very evident that there's big fish in a lot of those uh, prime areas, mm-hmm. and like you say, well, the majority of what you all catch, you return to the water. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we uh, I, we rarely, if ever, keep a fish. Uh, we're very careful with the fish. Uh, for the listeners out there, this is important, folks, that you all hear this. If you get a big fish and you're going to put it back, okay, you do not want to hang it from a scale by the mouth because if that fish jerks, you're going to hear a popping noise, and that's the cartilage in his neck letting loose, and you put him back in the water and he's going to die. Okay, if you want to hold the fish, support his stomach. Don't hold him straight up and down. Uh, or if you do, support him, you know, very carefully. Uh, but uh, my general rule is, you know, 30 seconds at the most. Get him out of the water, get a photograph. If I'm going to weigh the fish, I'll put it back in the net. I know that my net weighs about six pounds. If you all see any of the photos that Jim's going to have out there, if you see my videos, you can go to YouTube. Uh, the Striper Fun has its own channel. You'll see all these fish in the net. My net's uh, almost four and a half feet wide, okay? I mean, that's how big the net is. So sometimes you'll say, but, gee, that fish doesn't look so big in the net. Well, the net's four and a half feet wide, okay, and about four feet deep, to put things in perspective for you. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what the story is with that. All right. Let's go to Paul, who's been holding on. Yes, Paul, you got a question? Yeah, how's it going? Going fine, sir. Hope you're doing well. Not too bad. Yeah, uh, my daughter lives in Pleasureville. She's got a bunch of moles in the yard, and I was wondering the best way to eradicate them. Uh, those mole traps that they sell that are spring-activated, you can put them on their runways, and that'll take care of it. Oh, yeah? Okay. That's the best way, huh? Yes, sir. that would work. I appreciate it. All right. A mole hunter, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to agree. I used to, people say, this, chew up a bunch of chewer gum, put it in there, and, you know, there's all kinds of old country remedies. Those spray-activated mold traps are the only thing I've seen that ever works. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can put diazinon down that kills the grubs. That's what they're eating is the grubs. Right. Okay. But yeah, spend a lot of money to diazinon your whole yard. You're not kidding. That's a hazard to other critters, so. It is. It is. The squirrels, it can, it can you know, and, the, and uh, the chipmunks and all that, it is a hazard. But, yep. uh, yeah, that's, uh, what were we talking about before that call came in, Jim? Well, we were talking about the size of those fish and the numbers that are that are in the river. You know. I'm a, yeah, let me talk about that again for just a minute. Uh, these bigger fish, you know, I mean, you're a, the, the, a deer expert in my mind, one of the most knowledgeable people about this. Well, what do great big bucks do? They hang by themselves, okay? They, you don't, you don't, they, they're not with the herd most of the time, isn't that right? The bucks are Yeah, they're, they're a different breed. There's no doubt about that. Right. The big stripers are the same way. They're not schooling. They're territorial. I mean, I, I know over the years and years of doing this and the, uh, hundreds of huge fish that we've caught in excess of, you know, 40 pounds and, and, and not hundreds in the 50s, but a good number. It's got to be some of the same fish again and again because I fish the same areas. We release almost everything. Okay, and that's that's what I was talking about putting the fish in the net. I know what the net weighs. I, I put my bogus scale, which is the only officially recognized scale. 
I, I put the fish in the net. I know the net weighs six pounds. Uh, and I, then I weigh everything with it in the net. That way the fish is not hanging up and down. You don't break his neck. Right. Okay? And and then you can get a nice photograph. And, and one of the things, too, remember when you catch this fish on a big fish catching in the current, you may be 15 minutes catching one. Okay? You get that fish to the edge of the boat, and he's kind of rolling over and tired. That fish just ran a marathon. Okay, I'll leave him in the net a good two to three minutes just sitting there and make sure that he's under the water. I'll hold the net under the water, kind of twist the net around so he's in the net and get him down in the water and let him sit there two or three minutes till they start, like, jerking around in the net. You can tell that they're reviving real good, okay? Then we bring him out and take a quick photo, maybe measure the length real quick uh, and kind of go from there. And, and you want to take care of these these great big fish, well, I mean, it's the it's the resource that we have. If you want to eat fish, uh, the meat in a great big fish is not that good to eat anyway. Exactly, exactly. Jim, uh, talk a little bit about the other lakes where you have uh, guide service now, because they offer a different uh, type of fishing, and, and on some of these lakes, it's a numbers game, and I'm a numbers kind of guy. You know, I like action. Well, let's talk about I like all of it, but for your listeners that are in the eastern uh, region, your your West Virginia, Virginia listeners, Western Kentucky, West, uh, excuse me, uh, Western. Uh, I meant to say Eastern, Eastern Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, uh, East Tennessee. Uh, we offer services on Cherokee Lake, uh, Norris Lake, and the Clinch River, which is the upper part of Watts Bar Lake. Now, uh, on Cherokee Lake, they have both hybrids and stripers as well. And we're in, we're in prime season right now. I had a group, uh, you know, your good buddy Jeff Spainauer. Hey, Jeff, you're probably listening. Uh, shout out to Jeff if he is. Him and his son came uh, a week or so back. We went over there, and we actually, uh, up in the headwaters, they had uh, two or three fish right at 20 pounds and had a really great day. Uh, but we have, right now, we're into more of a uh, medium-sized stripers, 12 to 14 pounders. We may catch six or eight of those, uh, but we'll catch 25 or 30 hybrids. And these are tough fighting fish. You know how you love hybrids, Jim. Oh, yeah, I do. They're, they're Six, fun. eight, ten-pounders. Son, you get a ten-pound hybrid, it's going to hit you like a freight train. I've had grown men have the rod about yanked out of their hand when they're sitting there holding the live bait. It's fun to hold the rod, but you know you're getting bit a lot. Just stand there and hold the rod. Okay, don't put it in the rod holder. Just feel nature for just a minute. Okay, <laughs> I mean... Time stands still for that hundredth of a second. When that strike hits and you're holding the rod, it's exciting. And uh, so that's Cherokee Lake. And then Norris Lake doesn't uh, have a lot of uh, hybrids, but the stripers are, are bigger. And its prime season is coming in. We do most of our Norris fishing during the winter. That's a very popular tourist lake, lots of uh, boat traffic. And in the summer months, quite frankly, it, it you know there's a lot of traffic. It's hard to fish. The Clinch River is very interesting. Uh, we fish it below Melton Hill Dam all the way down for about 15 miles. And uh, when they're generating in the summer months, uh, schools of shad get sucked through the electric generators and they get chopped up. Okay, And then the fish are in there eating on them, and the skipjack get up there eating on them. Skipjack and, and big gizzard shad are meat eaters. A lot of people, Jim, don't know that, by the way. 
okay, shatter meat eaters, okay, right. and they get up there and they're eating those little pieces of stuff, and uh, and the Clinch is uh, Clinch River where we fish is about twenty miles uh, west of Knoxville. Then as we matriculate over to the western side of Tennessee, we have Percy Priest Lake, which is right in Nashville, and that's only about. Uh, Oh, I don't know, two and a half, two forty-five from you know the Louisville area down there. That's a numbers lake with stripers and hybrids. It's very similar uh, to Cherokee Lake, and of course, one of your favorite lakes you come out with us is Tim's Ford Lake, which is south uh, west of uh, southeast of Nashville, about forty-five minutes. Okay, and then of course we fish Lake Cumberland. And then uh, the Cumberland River, and then uh, and Tennessee Walleye Charters is our other company. With six months of the year, we're on Dale Hollow, which is where we're at now. The night fishing, uh, is, if there's any walleye fishermen out there, Dale Hollow is a walleye mecca. It's known as the smallmouth capital of the world. We all know that. But it is chock full of big, fat walleye. And uh, we annually will catch several fish over 10 pounds there. Uh, daily, we'll catch some nice four, five, six-pound fish. And uh, it's we're fishing at night now, April and May, and then in June, uh, we begin to do day trips. June, July, August, and September, we fish the full moon. Those trips, a lot of them book up in advance. We fish uh, three days before the full moon at Dale Hollow, the full moon, and the three days after, and we troll for these fish. And trolling for walleye and catching them at, at nighttime is quite a treat. So that's kind of a hodgepodge of uh, the eight different waterways, Jim, and, and where we do what we do. Very good. Hanging on with us, Jim. We'll be back after this break. This break is presented by SMI Marine. 11400 Westport Road, they can take care of all your boating needs, repairs. Got all kind of used boats for sale right now. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors, Captain Jim Durham. Jim, we're heading into May. We opened the program with that idea uh, and what it portends. A couple of quick things here. Kind of off base, but I got to ask you: Are your guides on Cumberland Lake catching big smallmouth right now? Oh my gosh, you bet! May is is smallie time on Lake Cumberland. Yep, we'll do we'll do smallmouth trips to people that want them. And everybody listening, you want to catch big smallmouth? We can do that. Okay. Uh, but we really, you know, don't we? We don't advertise. I don't really promote that. But there are people that do. You know, they'll catch them and say, "Hey, can we come back and just do this sometimes?" Because we'll be uh, we'll be fishing for the stripers, and uh, there's days where we'll catch four or five smallmouth, and you know, the smallest ones three or four pounds. Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, and of course, you know, when you got one on it, stripers run deep, taking you know line, and and the smallmouth. The first thing they're going to do is start putting a circus on for you. Yep. Okay. And they're jumping up, and it's like, oh my gosh! And uh, on the Striper Fun website, there's a, a photograph of a huge smallmouth I caught a few years back. Gosh, that thing must be seven pounds. I mean, just there's huge smallmouth in Lake Cumberland. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, we catch a lot of them. Uh, and while we're fishing live bait, really trolling, you know, about a half a mile an hour. So my guys are up there, uh, you know, on the front of the boat. The customers are throwing my Kentucky Thumper or, or my Tennessee Thumper 
or, or throwing one of my blade baits. Uh, my Captain Jim's little friend, it's kind of a unique blade bait uh, that has deer hair tied back on the third, the back treble. So as it's vibrating through the water, that white deer hair kind of looks like a fish's tail. And uh, so we'll, we'll be doing that, and we, we catch a lot of bass, you know, as we're doing that because, uh, you know, striper fishing, sometimes like being an old World War II pilot, you got, you know, uh, nothing going on. All of a sudden you got sheer madness happening, okay? <laughs> yep. We go through a school and, you know, four or five rods go down at once, and they all got 10, 15-pound fish on. You know, you're running around and... Uh, but in the meantime, it gives people something to do, and you know, we catch you can catch a nice striper too, and, and bass. We catch walleye, and we'll catch catfish. Okay, I mean, I, I don't know if I told you, there's not a whole lot of trout in Lake Cumberland, but a couple trips ago when I was out, we caught a trout, Jim, in the lake. Really. Yeah, I, I told the customer, I said, what you're holding there is the world's fastest animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. Yeah, I mean, you got a trout in Lake Cumberland. Yeah, we caught, caught it on a, a shad, ate a shad about 40 feet of water. I don't know how it survived all the stripers over the years. But. Yep. How is the topwater bite on the lake right now? Uh, it's not here yet, but it will be. It'll be here earlier than normal. Normal, it's about, you know, the uh, first of June as far as casting for them. Right. Uh, I mean, the night fishing, we cover that in the first hour, but, uh, yeah, that's what's going on with that. Okay. Very, very good. Any other things you want to pass along here? we got about a minute and a half. Oh, I don't know. Uh, we've covered quite a bit. Uh, again, remind people that uh, uh, eastern part uh, of uh, – Tennessee, Western Tennessee, for you people of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, uh, Virginia. We have a lot of clients from North and South Carolina that come. Uh, if you want to come after a truly uh, uh, big fish, you know, come out with us on the Cumberland River. Those trips book up in advance. Um, I'll have you know a tank full of big trout. We'll go out and, and go after them. Uh, if you want to catch numbers of fish and you're in the western part of Kentucky, Tennessee, or we have clients that come from Illinois, wherever the radio signal is, beautiful Thames Ford Lake, Percy Priest, you know, over that way. And, of course, uh, uh, from Nashville, you're only an hour to the Cumberland River. The Cumberland River runs through Nashville. Right. In wintertime, you know, we can fish it down there. Yes, sir. What you need to do is just think about what, what, what really interests you. If, if you're an avid fisherman and you fish a lot on your own, come to our website. Uh, we've got all kinds of lures. That Real quick, Jim, your fish. website. I'm up against break. Yeah, it's uh, striperfun.com, S-T-R-I-P-E-R-F-U-N. Are we done here, Jim? Yes, sir. Okay, God bless to everybody. Thank you, and have a good week. All right, Jimmy, uh, in the echo chamber, God bless everybody. We'll see you all next week. Hope you feel better, pal. Yes, sir.